welcome to the Working Dog Podcast. I'm your host, Allison Erskine. Come along while I interview the top handlers and clinicians around the world while hearing their stories of both failure and triumph and get their view on what it takes to have a good working dog. of AY Cowbred Dogs. Actually, I traveled eight hours from um, Oklahoma. I'm currently going to horseshoeing school and I thought, why not drive another eight hours south to, I am I'm pretty close to the Mexican border, and aren't I? I just call it Northern Mexico. Oh, we're, not, we're not in Southern Texas, it's oh. Northern Mexico. Okay, yeah, so I am as far south as I, as I think I can go, and I thought, why not come here, watch her work a couple dogs, and talk to her in person, which we just got done doing. We worked a couple of her dogs outside, I met a couple of her dogs, and her puppy Wadi, he is adorable mm-hmm. and working great, but say hi. Hi. Um, <laughs> Um, so I wanted to first talk to you a little bit about how you got into stock dogs. Okay. So I, it was a few years ago, about almost six years ago now. Um, you know, I, I don't know how far you want to get back into the story. Um, I, I went to school in Idaho and that's where I met my husband, Ethan. And my life's dream was to, I was going to marry a rancher and live on a ranch and be a ranch wife. Like that exact phrase. And so I met him, you know, it was just really love at first sight type of thing. And, and anyway, um, we, he had to do an internship in Sheridan, Wyoming, um, as part of the curriculum. And so we moved there, but we were, you know, we were thinking about which horses we were going to take and we didn't own any dogs ourselves. Um, but his family had a couple of dogs, but they were old and super overweight. (laughs) So we were thinking, are we going to take dude and Chester like and Ethan was like well technically dude's retired and Chester's my brother's dog so we we really don't have any dogs to take and and we were like whatever we won't need them boy were we wrong we go to Sheridan and I tell you what if there's anywhere I can live it would be Sheridan Wyoming it is gorgeous up there I love driving through there gorgeous and and just the country like just cowboying there was the most amazing thing I've ever experienced anyway so we get to this ranch and um it was for the uh church ranches of um it's like ag reserves is what it's called okay. um because we're lds and so uh, we worked for them and and i don't and i don't exactly remember the system they had but it's like throughout all the ranches throughout the u.s like they put their older ones in sheridan for mm-hmm. some reason or whatever and so these cows are pretty broke i mean they really weren't bothered by anything i mean you can hoot and holler and slap them and they they'd still just stand there and graze yeah and one of the guys we worked with, um, he took a ton of dogs with him. And um, every now and then, some of those dogs would, would randomly find us. And it was like heaven. I mean, because they'd find us and we'd get to use them and those cows would respond. Yeah. But then those dogs weren't loyal to us, so they'd go leave and look for their owner. And then it was back to just painful, push, slow. Push, push. Yeah, like... <laughs> Like, the horses worked so hard, we worked so hard, and then it, it was just a nightmare. And I was, we were talking, and I didn't really know much about stock dogs, but one of my first experiences was a couple years before, I went to the Winnemucca Ranch Hand Trial, or the Ranch Hand Rodeo, and they had a dog trial there, and I remember sitting watching, and I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And, because all I've ever known was the scatter them, sick them, yeah, like, don't up, listen yeah. type dogs. And mm-hmm. so, when I saw these dogs with this amazing handle. And, and so, it kind of, like, the two kind of met up in my mind. I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I finally, like, this is what I'm going to do. And from Sheridan to Bishop, where we would go to church and, and get our groceries and everything, um, we would drive on the highway and, and every single time I went to town, there was a spot and, and it was a big field and a barn. And this lady was out there working border collies on these sheep. And I would, just, I remember I'd break my neck just trying to keep watching. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, that's so cool. I was like, I yeah. got to figure out who that is because it was really close to where we were living. And we lived out in the middle of nowhere. So I was like, I got to figure out who that is and never did. And I even talked to our boss about her and I, cause he had a dog that was on whistles and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever and so I tried to pick his brain a little bit and but didn't get really much luck you know and um so I told him I was like there's someone that works dogs off the side of the highway on you know or did I say bishop buffalo okay Sheridan and buffalo so we live in bishop right here Yeah. yeah so um buffalo wyoming to Sheridan 
And uh, he told me, he was like, that's Wendy. And I was like, I've got a name. Like, how do I find this woman? But I never did. And by the time, like, I really was interested, we were going back home to Idaho yeah. to finish school. Mm-hmm. And so when I got there, I decided I'm going to look for someone to teach me how to work these dogs. And so I, I, I went around to all the feed stores, all the vet offices looking for, like, dog training, you know, like... You just walk in and say, hey, yeah. like, give me some names, yeah. something to go and, off of. Yeah, and I don't know, because I was so... And this is where, to me, you know you're destined for something when you don't have to reason with mm-hmm. it. You don't have to say, like, well, are there any dogs in my area? Are there any... I don't even know what a stock dog trainer is. Is that even such a thing? Like, I just said, I'm looking for someone who's going to teach me how to train mm-hmm. border collies. Like, yeah, and you're willing to do whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it, it didn't... Like, there was no logic or anything behind it. It was like, this is... I'm setting out to do this, and I don't want to hear none of it, you know? Yeah. And so I found a business card in a vet's office on the bulletin board, and it said... Stock dog training, lessons, sales, and something else. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I I took the card. I I mean, I didn't even get home. I didn't talk to Ethan about it. Like, I took the card and called it, and I was walking out of the clinic. And um, Todd answered, Todd Erickson. And and I was like, you know, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. Can you do this? And he was like, yeah, I'll have you come out, and you can watch us and, and see what you think. And so I think it was that weekend I went to his house in Rigby, Idaho. Wow. And, um, and I was like, he showed me this big, he had this big puppy pen that was like probably like half of the size of this room. Mm-hmm. And um, he had like 10 little border collie puppies in it. And I saw Scout. And I was like. You're in heaven, I bet. <laughs> I was like, he was three months old, and I was oh. like who, what is that puppy? And he was like, oh, that's my son's. Like we have, we each, me and my sons, we each have like three or four dog puppies in this pen. We're going to start them. And I was like, all right. And so he kind of, you know, showed me the ropes and everything, showed me his routine. And he was like, well, if you're going to do this, you're going to need a dog. And I, I, we're in school. We're newlyweds. We're in college. Like we're broke. Right. And I'm just like, oh yeah. Like Ethan and I are just like 50 bucks. Right. Like that'll be fine. Um, that's like when I really learned about the stock dog community was like, it's not 50 bucks. <laughs> it's, no, it's cheap. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, um, he's telling us like, I really think you need a dog to learn with. Like, you're not going to get it. You're not going to understand. And you're not going to be invested if you just come for a lesson on one of my older dogs. And so, you know, Ethan and I talked about it. I go back the next weekend and I'm like, okay, yeah. I want a dog. What are we going to do? And he was kind of like, well, I've got three of my pups here. You can pick one. And I was just like, I want that one. And it was Scout. And he was yeah. like, well, that's my son's dog. And I was like, where's your son? Like, yeah. I was going to go ask go him. Go get your son. Yeah. Like, I'm getting yeah. this dog. And, and his name is Jess. And I was like, well, where is he? You know, like, I, that's my pup. Like, mm-hmm. I have to have that pup. And it was straight up because he was a classic marked border collie mm-hmm. he had the big collar the stripe up the face he had a little tip tail like he was the picturesque border collie long-haired and everything and so I was like all right I want this pup and and so Jess told or yeah I think it was Jess who told me Todd whatever um little details they told me like oh yeah um yeah you you can buy that pup he'll be 300 bucks and Ethan and I just your jaw probably dropped yeah my heart sank and I was like I can't get this pup yeah, I was like, $300? Like, what? Like, I, I was thinking 50 Like, I, I've never spent this much money on a dog before. And, and you know, we kind of just looked at each other, and, and, you know, they were like, well, well how about 250 and And Ethan was like, I mean, go ahead, I guess. Like, we, we really were unsure about spending $250 on a puppy. Yeah. And, and I laugh at that now because, like, I mean, I have my own set prices, and I'm just like... 250 bucks I wouldn't that's, spend that that's a deal if you could get a pup yeah her, you know? yeah and and even nowadays I'm like 250 bucks like let the next person have it because there's something wrong with it seriously you know? yeah. <laughs> like, like there's a reason why it's 250 bucks yeah and and so we 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 buy this pup and we take him home and like just I mean love at first sight the matchmaking and everything and and then come to find out this puppy doesn't want to work stock I mean, he's like, cause, um, Todd started all his puppies on ducks at like three months old. I mean, and it was stock testing 
And so I, I was just like, I, w- I didn't care though. He was like, I'm so sorry, Annie. Like that this is something to learn. Like sometimes these things happen. Like these puppies don't turn on. They're late bloomers or they're just duds. And I was like, I don't care. Like we'll keep trying them. And so I forget exactly my schedule. Is I either went to his house every day or every weekend at least. And so we kept putting them on the ducks and, and all the other puppies would just like flourish and like they'd be working and they'd want to like go work the sheep and Scout just could not care. And I was like, I don't care. Like we're, we're just gonna roll with the punches. And, and I think part of me is like, I didn't know I should care or at least should take some thought. I was straight up like, I don't care. And then all of a sudden I like four and a half, five months old, he kind of like like those ducks ran off and he kind of kicked his tail up and kind of got around them and then got distracted again. It was, it was a really slow process, but once he turned on, he lived for his job and a lot like Wadi, like he didn't want to mutilate anything. He had no bite. I mean, this puppy, like he worked purely off just the movement. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Like, I was so excited that my puppy is finally working. All the other ones, like, had some training on him by now. And, like, this puppy, we just, our whole goal was to put obedience on him and to just get him interested. And from there on, I mean, he he just took off. I put him in his first trial at eight months old with the Eastern, oh gosh, what's it called? Eastern Idaho Stock Dog Association. I think you posted about that. Yeah. How did that trial go? I think it, there's a funny story there. Yeah, I we did great. We did fantastic <laughs> for us, yeah. but everybody else were mortified because, <laughs> like, he was too fast. He was not pretty. He's, like, upright, loose-eyed. And when he was a puppy, he was really fast. Like, you know, as he got older and better, I mean, he had a lot of rate and a lot of read to him. And and did as a pup. But, I mean, I was just out there, like, just, we were just running <laughs> at this trial. And, I mean, we were doing stinking good. For someone who's never been in a trial. You're probably smiling ear to ear about it, yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, my heart was racing. I was like, we're freaking doing it. We're, we're doing the dang yeah. thing. And <laughs> I get... You know, we, we finished the course and for the sheepdog trials, I don't know much about sheepdog trials, but this one, um, they had a score sheet and some notes and I mean, just red pen everywhere. I mean, it was like, I failed the test miserably. And I was like, how? I made a time, you know, like I was like, why are you guys mad? You know? And so I was like, I didn't care. And, And so we had a couple of rounds and I go to the next one and there was this deal where we had to do a shed and a trailer load. This puppy's eight months old. He just turned on like two months ago. Like, you know, and he's got, he's got like the down and the combine everything, but it's not like a handle, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's crazy. And, and so, um, this is where I, I had like a really like, you know what, I'm done with sheepdog trials because, uh, bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. They told me, they said, because I was in the novice class and they told me like, you can, when you get to the shed, if you don't want to do it, you just wave to the judge and we won't score it. Like it won't count against you type of thing. Cause we understand you're a beginner. And so I get to the shed and I look up at her and she's like no farther away from here to like the lamp. And I look up at her and she's just staring at me, this judge. And I was just like, I don't want to do this, you know? Like, so I just kind of turned around and we started the trailer load and, and that went south cause I had some really bad sheep and, and I met um, a gentleman there, um, his name's Dewey, Okay. and I met him there, and he had a really cool Kelpie, and, and he had this group of sheep I had, and they were suckers. I mean, even for this, like, professional guy with this professional dog, like, even he had a hard time, and me, I got his same set of sheep, and he even told me, he congratulated me, he's like, you did dang good for those sheep, because I know they were bad. That's a nice confidence boost. Yeah, and I was like, thank you so much. And, like, I see him at, like, the cow dog trials now. And, like, I really like him and his wife. And um, and so, anyway, so, like, the time's up. And and they told me I was disqualified. And I was like, why am I disqualified? And I went up to the the announcer's booth to the judge. And and I was just – I knocked. And I was like, hey, can I talk to you? Because I just wanted to know for my own self, like, what happened. And she yelled at me and she's like, I'm busy, blah, 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 blah. And just like totally like was rude. And I was like, all right, you know what? <laughs> you guys are, take this too seriously. <laughs> and, That's unfortunate um, that they're a bit like that, right? And I think that a lot of people kind of stray away from some sheepdog trials because of that stuck upness. Mm-hmm. And I think it's getting better now and it's getting a little more welcoming. 
But, I mean, there's not going to be anybody if we don't act a little welcoming, right? So mm-hmm. we're going to be competing against ourselves if we're not going to help each other out. Exactly. And, and what's the fun in that? Like, just being a loner anyway and just a loner because of your own attitude. And you, everyone starts from somewhere. Like, you start from the exact same place. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to work a dog, whether it's you're five years old starting to learn how to work a dog or you're 45 mm-hmm. and starting to learn how to work a dog. Yeah. You all got to start at the same place. Yeah. And so that was my... That was that experience, but I got a picture of me and Todd and um, at that trial, and it's pretty good memory now. Mm-hmm. So you're living um, in Texas now, South mm-hmm. Texas, and so what kind of changes did you have to make when moving from Utah to Texas with both your dogs and horses? Yeah, so I think the biggest change was my mentality. I Ethan tried to prepare me, bless his heart, that it's not going to be the same. Like, I mean, at one point I had like 18 dogs and I had these elevated kennels built. Like I was, I was going up on this peak in my business and I was, I was just, I was living for it. And, and he was like, it's not going to be the same. Like you're going to have to sell a lot. You're going to have to realize like, you're probably not going to breed that much. You're not going to work dogs that much. Like we don't even know if we can have like cows there. Cause I was like, I'm going to get cows and I'm going to do this, and we're just going to borrow a trait. Like, I had all these yeah. plans, right, how <laughs> yeah. to keep my business alive. And um, so I lied to myself, too. I was like, yeah, yeah, it'll be different. It'll be fine. Like, I understand, but I did not We'll understand. make it work. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I did not understand at all what kind of change it was going to be. But I had to start off with what dogs am I selling and, you know, who makes the cut to come down and if you made the cut, what are my plans with you when I go down? Because, I mean, it's two years, mm-hmm. year and a half, two years. Like, it's not, like, a summer internship. Like, the, it's – we're changing our lives for yeah. a moment. A lot can happen in two years. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, so I made my picks and, um, you know, Scout was going to retire to being a house dog and all this stuff. And and so, you know, I sold my stock and, and that and kind of just, like, closed up shop. Like, I mean – that was ma- that was basically it was I just had to downsize and then realize like who I'm downsizing and what I'm, what I'm going to do there. Mm-hmm. And, and thankfully it kind of worked out because I had um, some older pups that made the cut. You know, I have Tuna and Cotton um, that were coming down and I was like, nah, I'm just going to start them. Like we're going to go. I'm going to wait till they're a year old and um, start them and train them for those two years. Mm-hmm. And then that was my plan that like we're going to test this two year old theory out. We're just going to start them on goats. We're going to make them obedient, raise them really nice, well, happy dogs. And then when we go home, they should be prepared to take on uh, range animals. Yeah. And so that's still kind of the plan right now. But how many dogs did you come down here with? So I have, well, at the time, I think I had like seven or eight. And Ethan was just like, I kind of meant like two or three, (laughs) you know, but I, I made as big of a cut as I could. But, you know, we had an incident when we got down here, like I was saying earlier, mm-hmm. like, you know, the power was an issue. It was, we were in the middle of a hurricane, like just the stars did not align when we got down here. And I, um, I had our dogs tied up on the fence line because also like Utah is very dry and I'm, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but from my experience, like we're too dry for fleas and we don't struggle with heartworm disease mm-hmm. in Utah as far as I'm concerned. And so when we got here, all I could hear about from everybody was like, there's fleas in those kennels. Like you better go like bleach them and put like borax in them and all this stuff. So, you know, me being really into my dog's well-being, I was like, all right, I'm not going to put them in the kennels. And they, there was like old towels and blankets in there that yeah. the fleas would live in. So yeah, I was like, we're going to tie them up on the fence. We're going to get the power figured out. And the first thing I'm going to do is get my dog situated because it was hot down here. It and was a humid hot. hot. It is yeah. such a humid hot down here. It's different. It's different mm-hmm. from Canada. It's different from Utah. Mm-hmm. Like, it is a humid hot. Yeah, it's gross. And so I was like, my dogs are my priority. So I thought I was doing good by tying them up on this fence line. Um, but we didn't understand that the the people that have their horses here have uh, Pyrenees dogs here. Mm-hmm they're loose during the day and and so they come down and, and cause a lot of wrecks and so we ended up having I think five we had Lexi Tuna Cotton and Ace and I don't remember if I had one more or not I don't think so I think I just had the four mm-hmm. um but what happened with that is so Scout 
he, he ended up passing away. And originally I thought, oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. Like it's humid outside, but the dogs are sitting in the grass. Like, so it's even more humid, like, you know, but I thought I did good because they had water buckets. And when we got home, none of the water buckets were knocked yeah. over. So we were just like, what happened? You know, yeah. how did this happen? And and it was traumatizing for both of us. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, we, we were up all night, all day, like just moving here was not that fun anymore. Yeah. And, um, and I just, I just couldn't believe that that had happened. And, um, you know, and I blame myself. I thought I, I, it's because scouts long haired, you know, it's because we're not used to it. Like we're coming up from the mountains down to sea level, like everything in the world. I was like, it's I, a big change. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I caused this, but in hindsight, it was the stinking guard dog and come and fought them. But, um, when that had happened, like I, I love all my dogs, but I, there's certain dogs that I just attach to and the rest is just like livestock, you know, like special ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, This is a business. Like I look at them. I don't know for lack of better words, but every, they all have a dollar sign, right? Mm -hmm. Whether the dollar sign is like green or red, like every, (laughs) like they, you know, it goes up and down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You put into them and they take out of you type of thing. And so none of those dogs that I have had other than Scout, I was really attached to in a way that, like, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is Ethan and I said, if all of the other dogs died, but Scout was still alive, it would have been fine. Yeah. Like, we wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered, you know, but it was the fact that Scout died yeah. out of all of Scout them. Scout was that first dog that let you grow so much and learn yeah. and everything and was there since day one. Yeah. And so that, it, that was super traumatic. And then I hated Texas because of that. And I was like, this place sucks. I want to go home. (laughs) You know, I, I romanticized it to be something it wasn't. And I, I blame Adrienne Brandon for that because she's really cool, you know? And and I'm just like, I'm not experiencing Texas like you were, but okay. Um, so you have a dog out there named Cotton and you're doing a little hundred day challenge. Uh Uh-huh. So like tell me about that what is your 100 day challenge what are you doing what do you expect what kind of dog do you want coming out of it Mm -hmm. so I decided I saw it on Facebook just this hashtag that was 100 days of dog training or something like that and I clicked it and I went through it and nothing was really cool out of there but I decided you know what like we're all talking about 30 day dogs and 60 day dogs and like finished dogs and seasoned dogs and like what the difference is and I was like you know what I I don't know what my dogs look like at 60 days because I've never counted. Yeah. And so I decided I'm, I'm going to document it and what better dog to document it with than a dog that doesn't have anything. He doesn't have sanctioning. He hardly knows his name, you know, and he's almost a year old. So I was like, I'm going to do it. And so I decided to take Cotton from day one to a hundred. And this is a dog that you've raised. Yeah. I got him at, I think three or four months old. And so I, I did not raise him from birth on to a certain point, but I did from like four months old on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed that cause I kind of could manipulate him a little bit more. Um, the birth to like 12 weeks is a super crucial time to like a normal standards person of raising. Yeah. Like my, like my puppies, like I've, I feel like I've got them down to a sign. So like, do you want to, do you mind if we talk about that for a little bit? Like you don't have to tell us all your little secrets, <laughs> but yeah, um, like what parts of raising puppies do you think is crucial and people should include into their programs? Mm-hmm. Definitely exposure and handling. Like, I I really want to document this year how many hours goes into raising a litter, um, because I you just have to get out there and put your hands on them, put your hands on them, get them out. Like, don't be afraid of taking them places granted there's parvo and all that so what i mean is like just get them out of your puppy pen and play with them and handle them like give them new stuff that you want every day mm-hmm. like just and give Experience. them an enriched environment yeah and and so that's like i mean and that's common sense like i have secrets but that's common yes, sense so like you know just treat them you know treat them well just get them going and so from like weaning and like so you're working with your pups even when they're on the bitch mm-hmm. oh yeah so what are you doing with them when they're on the bitch that's a secret okay okay yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll let that we'll 
love that stay secret. But what about when they're um they're being weaned? Do you like do you kennel train them right away? Do you bring mm-hmm. them in the house? Is that something new that you've done, or do you yeah. just say no? I don't pet my dogs. I stay in their crates right. outside. The the house thing is new, and I started that down here because it is just too stinking hot. It's too hot. It's too muggy to be out there trying to play with hairy pups, you know, like, so I decided, and where we're not in our usual situation, like, back at the ranch, like, I, I had everything and anything I could do to a dog. Down here, it's like, I don't own this place, and I didn't own the place back at home, but, like, it was a little more mine than this is, and, and so I was like, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna bring in a pup, um, for 10 minutes a day, and I, and I timed it, too, because I had five, you know, that, that kind of thing adds yes, up and that's absolutely. why I want to document like how many hours goes into a pup from, from conception to 12 weeks. But, um, so yeah, I brought him in. I forget where we were talking about. So like after, after your pup's weaned, Oh yeah. Um, after your pup's weaned, do you crate train him inside? Do you? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I just started bringing him in this house and that's changed because, or that's something I'm going to continue to do even when we leave. Um, is bringing them inside for 10, 15 minutes a day. And I do my best to crate train them. Um, I'm always like looking for new ways on how to do it. Um, and I think it's smart. I don't think there's always a certain set way to do something. Um, but I do get them used to it as much as I can because my one of my checklists um, for my dogs is I want my shippers to get a text from me saying, hey, can you ship these pups? Can you ship this dog? And I want them to say, absolutely. I don't want them to be like, ugh, her dogs, you know, they are so messy. They are so noisy. Yeah. They are terrified. Like, I hate dealing with Annie's dogs. I want them to say, absolutely, because I know yeah. that dog's not going to piss in its crate on the way home, you know, yeah. like, or I know it's not going to sit there and bark and yelp. So I'm not only looking to, you know, continuously build a nice reputation and continuously, you know, make friends and like keep people happy. I'm thinking about everybody down to my shippers, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, I try, I try to do some crate training enough that when it, a shipper takes them, that they're okay. Okay. Yeah. So before your pups go onto stock, what do you need for them to know before they go? Like, do you need a down? Do you need a recall? Or do you just say, I'm just gonna let them go, see what their natural instinct does, mm-hmm. and so what, what's your stand on that? Um, the, the later I, for the stock testing, like, I think it's more, how do I prepare myself? Because like I've told you, I'm a, I'm an emotional person. I'm not logical. That's how I married Ethan. But I, I have to go into this more so of like, how am I going to react to my dog? Not how is my dog going to react to this? It's because you're like 80% of your dog's personality, in my opinion. And so I have to look at it and be like, okay, throughout this whole puppy's life, the last, you know, couple months, how, how has it handled certain situations? So I can look at a pup and say, okay, you're going to need more one-on-one time. Um, you're going to need a more confident pup with you, or you're just going to go do it by yourself because I know you can. Um, but I have to look at these pups, like kind of, I don't want to prejudge them. You know, like if this puppy, if I know this puppy is not going to hook on as early, I need to accept that and not get mad at her, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I don't require any obedience, any, you know, I don't do recalls. Like I just look at it as like, how fun can I make this for you? And without pre-labeling you too, because Scout never turned on till four months old and in, in, in anybody's book that's a cull nowadays Absolutely. everyone says you know and they have set days they say if this dog doesn't turn on by september 3rd blah blah, blah yeah. when they're four months in the dot or six months whatever your day is for you they say call or sell or whatever mm-hmm. like and you have to have a certain amount of bite and you have to have a certain amount of eye by that time but mm-hmm. yeah and and i just think i think it's asinine anymore like Scout would have been somebody's cull, but Scout was our go-to dog for everything. And I have so many stories on that stinking dog. I mean, and, and so anyway, like I've told you, like you, Scout was the kind of dog you can send two miles out and you don't know why he left, but he'd meet you at the gate with 40 head of cows you didn't know mm-hmm. were missing. Like, and if he would have got cold, like, you know, so I think the whole, and there's certain types, like, you know, there's certain dogs that you, you just need to learn that this sort of behavior is something that in the past I have experienced that you just can't pull out of that dog. But there's a lot of people who look at a dog and and I do it myself, you know, that we look at this dog that 
I raised you right, and I put you in with these gentle goats, and you are stuck, and I can't get you out of that. But next week, that dog is the the leader of the litter mm-hmm. in the stock test. Mm-hmm. But I I would have called you if I was anybody else, yeah. you know, and not give you a second chance, third chance, and and it definitely takes a couple chances. I think people are really quick to judge, saying, you know, I'll put you on stock, or if, even if you're gonna go see a pup, and you know, you see how the parents work or whatever. See how the, you like how the lineage works, and then you see the pup maybe play around with some ghost sheep, or whatever, for ten minutes, and then say, "Yeah, maybe not," or "Oh, yeah, maybe you do like it." I think that everyone should go and watch that pup stock test maybe one, two, three times because mm-hmm. they're they're gonna be different. Mm-hmm. You know, they may gain a little more confidence each week, or they may lose confidence, or you might like a different pup. Mm-hmm. And and I've noticed too, because like another reason why I try to keep my pups is because I've been burned a lot when I first started that people would see me coming a mile away and they'd be like, I'm going to make an easy 250 bucks because Annie's going to buy this dog. And I would because I was hungry, you know? And so, you know, nowadays I'm like, I don't ever want to be that person that someone was like, I just spent X amount of money on Annie's dog. And it was the worst experience in my life. And unfortunately I, when I first started, I had like two or three of those and they scarred me so bad that I'm like, cause I was, I feel like I was very innocent. Like I didn't know about this. I didn't know about that. And, and that that's why your experience is so awful is because of my lack of education. And so I've strived to be the person that when you get a dog from me, like I gave you all the opportunities to change your mind. Mm-hmm. And so I keep them old enough that I'll stock test them three or four or five times and be like, Hey, your pup, you know, the one that you're looking at, she looked like this today. She looked like this next week and, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and even if they lose confidence, don't lose hope. You know, they're, they're going to turn around you yeah. and you, that's where that pre-labeling comes in. And, and I have to work on that all the time myself, you know, and, um, anymore I look at dogs and I, like I told you earlier, like, how can I take this dog to the best of its ability and not to the best of everyone else's ideal because it's not going to work. So real quickly, how do you build confidence in a dog? You know, if you have a, have a dog that's outside and you like maybe an outside dog coming in and it's just, it lacks confidence and it just needs you to support it all the time. How do you build confidence? It, that's a really hard one. And I, I'm still learning how to do it. Um, I think your attitude goes all the way. Like, I, you know, we put too much on these dogs I think as individuals, when really it's like you, like, you know, the, the, your horse is the reflection of you. It, I think it's more true than, than cheesy anymore. Cause you know, if you have a dog that's lacking confidence and you're getting pissed, that dog now understands why it was lacking confidence. It's cause you're irritated. Yeah. And, and you know, dogs don't reason. Yeah. But they don't reason, but they, they, they kind of get that vibe. And so, you know, like the pre-labeling, like I keep going back to that because I've had experiences with that recently. Like, you know, you don't like this animal for X, Y, and Z, but, but you already determined that that animal is the X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. you know, your lack of observation or understanding, or even just the being neutral has pre-labeled this dog. So in your eyes, it's always going to be weak. It's always going to be Weak to the hind end, weak to the head, you know, it's going to lack, like, scope. I mean, there's, you have to just train yourself. It's so more, It's more a reflection on yourself, you're saying, mm-hmm. than it is on the dog. Yeah. I really agree with that. I think that a lack of confidence is a mirror of yourself, not the dog. Mm-hmm. And just, like, for the confidence thing, like, it's really hard because I feel like, even myself, like, I don't consider myself professional or anything. Like, I, I still think I'm just intermediate when you look at, like, a trialing aspect. And so, like, I, I'm learning different things all the time. And so I think with dogs that need confidence, I really try to take it back to, like, first grade. Like, we're going to do, like, my whole goal is that you win once today. And that's, and then we're done. And then, um, you know, like, you try to set up situations for the dog to win. And... You just build on it and you have to realize like it's going to be slow. It's going to be a slow process. And and confidence, I feel like it can be genetic, but it goes back to that environment deal, you know. 
Yeah, um, you're, you're a product of your environment. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and like that dog I was telling you about that, you know, she was on fire from the minute she was born. and But too much training, too much control, and she just burned out. And, mm-hmm. and she was the weakest dog after that. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, there's so many factors into it. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you, so obviously like you and Ethan, you do a lot of ranch work when you're back home in Utah. Um, so ranch dogs and trial dogs are very different. We both know that. What are your must-haves for a ranch dog compared to a child dog? Hmm. Must-haves. Definitely, um, my vets will give me or prescribe me like a month's worth of pain medicine. (laughs) So if I have a dog that's off, I will, um, give them. So down here we use Prevacox. Up in Utah we use, um... Carprofen. Okay. And I'm sure they're basically the same thing, Advil, Tylenol, but I I always have some sort of anti-inflammatory on hand um, just to make them more comfortable. And what else would I use for a ranch dog? I just, I always automatically go to like, I have this type of medicine and I have this type of topical. Mm-hmm. And cause like, I mean, it's true. Like these dogs, they're, they're used and abused. I mean, they work so much and and that's another thing I want to do the like next year when we go home is I want to get some kind of GPS because I on my phone I have like the little like how many steps you take in a day and I walk up to like seven miles a day with yeah. my job and so I'm like you know what how 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 far has a cow dog traveled in its life seriously and if you like when you are on your horse working cows and your dog your dog makes eight times the steps that you do in a day, right? Or probably more going back and forth. I've thought lots about putting my little Apple watch on my dog and yeah. seeing how many steps my dog takes compared to me and how many steps your dog saves you. Yes. Right? That's a huge thing. But like quality wise, so um, do you want your dog to have more eye on um, the trial field compared to like the ranching side or what What? What kind of dog? Like cause you want you yourself you want a different type of dog when you're ranching compared to trialing or do you want to be able to take them take your ranch dog on a saturday and say hey we're gonna go do some trialing kind of finesse it a little bit Mm -hmm. and then go back to ranching or do you want to just totally segregate them separate them Mm -hmm. i i don't segregate them and and i keep going back to scout but scout's the oldest dog i've had and i and he i've been through so much with him and i think he's just a prime example and and so I, all trialing really is, is just how obedient is my dog, right? It, I mean, you can have a super weak dog, but if it's obedient and you can put it where it needs to be, I think you can save your butt. And, and so I think, you know, Scout, I mean, he was really fluid. I would send him on an outrun. I wouldn't tell him where to stop. He just knew what balance was. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. And so I'd send him out and he wouldn't go find the fence. He'd just go out and around the fetch panels. If you've ever seen a, you know, a trial set up, the fetch panels is like always the first thing. Mm-hmm. And he'd just go out and he'd bring them. And without having to lay him down, walk him up, come by, lay down, walk up. Like he just based off of where I was standing, it was just a game of balance. And so our trials were, were, I mean, we won like one first place. Let me just say that. Like we weren't like the most amazing, but he, I think Scout was the most fluid out of all of them. And so, no, I don't segregate them. Just they got to be obedient, but you know, I harp on the, they have to be responsible and reliable. Okay. Like I can't tell you everything all the time. I have my own job. Okay. You know, like you have your own job. (laughs) Like I'll give you. Think for themselves. They're not mechanical. Yeah. I'll tell you come by because the cows are up in the trees to the left of me. And then when you see them, you decide what you're going to do with them. Granted, I hope I've prepared you enough that it's, they need to come down off the face into the bottom with the Mm -hmm. rest of the group. But you know, you're going to have to decide that on your own. And I have a great video of Scout. I had this YouTube video I did. It was called A Day in the Life of a Working Cow Dog. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, the, the darn thing's like 17 minutes long, but there was this point where, you know, we were on this flat bottom and I had some cows off to the right and, and we had some cows off to the left and I told him come by and I videoed him and he went come by. He got behind those cows and just pulled them off the face and brought them down. And I was like, that was gold. 
Yeah. And I didn't have to tell him when to stop. I didn't have to tell him to walk up. He just thought for himself. Yeah. You weren't yelling and saying, lay down, you little mongrel. Yeah. Whatever, like, right? quit running them off. Yeah. And, and it just comes down to preparation. I mean, you know, you can't get the responsible and reliable without the preparation. Absolutely. Yeah. So you've done a little bit of trialing now, um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you're going to do lots, lots in the future. But for someone starting out in trialing, what are some tips that you can give them? You know, whether they're scared to start or if they just don't mm-hmm. know, they don't know the trial lingo, mm-hmm. like where would you tell them to start? I would tell them to just go watch one. Go watch one and go talk to somebody. Like just say, hey, like, you know, I've never been to this kind of thing. Do you mind if you explain something on the next run or whatever? Um, but I think if you're if you're past that and you're like, I'm ready, like, I mean, it it's supposed to be fun, you know, and your only goal should be is to get your feet on the arena floor. I mean, that that should be your only goal. And when you get to that cold, just go have fun. And and like I said, like, trialing is just how – whose dog is the most obedient dog, you know? And so if you want to go take your dog, just go – I mean, even just sign up for one run. You don't have to do the whole thing. You don't have to spend $500 doing it, you know? And so especially, like, Utah's really great. We have the MSSA, and so, like, there's a lot of trials in Utah. I mean, it could be 15 minutes away, you know, from your place, and so just go, and, you know, when you prepare, just run through the, you know, what, six or seven basic commands that come by away, down, walk up, and that'll do. <laughs> get a bite, perhaps, and <laughs> and you've got it. I mean, it, it's really just obedience. Just get your feet wet a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And just for my last question, if you could isolate one piece of advice you've been given that's made an important impact on your dog career, what would that be if someone's pulled you aside and said, hey, this, this, something that's really stuck with you? Yeah. Hmm. I would say do it for yourself and for your dogs. Don't, don't get into stock dogs because you want to be in a certain circle. Don't get into it because so-and-so's into it like you know like I said when I decided it was I was gonna do it it was for myself like I it was something I wanted to learn and bring to the table and you know like I said if you're into kelpies be into kelpies if you're into corgis be into corgis and don't let anybody like make you feel dumb like border collies are the predominant stock dog I mean you know there's millions of them everywhere and everybody is a border collie breeder and trainer and, and that's fine, you know, and just do your research and just stand behind what you want to do as an individual. So let's talk about your cur dog camp. Mm-hmm. Why do you have him? What are you doing with him? <laughs> What's his deal? Oh my gosh. So when in Texas, get you a freaking cur dog. You know? Absolutely. We come down, we were, you know, when we were planning to come down here, we were already interested in getting cur dogs. Um, simply just to try them out, you know, I mean, like, why not? This life's too short to just stick to one dog. So we already had that in mind, but how I got camp, I guess is a little sad because right after Scout died, Ethan was like, you're not attached to these dogs. You need a reason to come home. So he let me, you know, look for a new pup that was camp and I wasn't going to get something to replace Scout. You know, it was just like, let's just move on to the next thing. And that was going to be trying her dogs. And so I did a little bit of research and, but my research might be a little swayed, I guess, because everybody and their mother is like, you've got to get a Ladner's cur. If you're going to get a Blackmouth cur, it has to be Ladner's. And Ladner's is a breeder, a family who basically like, it's kind of like the McCallums. Like he really took this breed and made it what it is today. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to get a Ladner's cur. And I found one. Um, kind of like everything I do, I picked the dog because it was gorgeous, <laughs> which I I just like to laugh at people when they say, you got to pick working ability and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. But like, you can't belittle me for fancying a certain type, you know? Absolutely. And you can't hate the way your dog looks. Like, you got to be able to like enjoy his yeah, presence. Yeah. Know? And there's some ugly dogs out oh, there God. that there's some ugly dogs that work well and there's some ugly dogs that don't. So it's like, I might as well also look into like, you know, I like this one because he's traditionally marked or split faced or whatever else. Whatever you're into. Yeah. Yeah. So I picked camp because he was really pretty and uh, he came to me like the worst pup I've ever seen. He was emaciated, pot belly, scrawny. And I'm like, this sucker is probably going to die. That's awesome. Cause he looked different. In his picture than he did when I got him from the shipper. And And how old was he when you got him? Oh, gosh. He was 
he I don't think he was quite weaned. I think he was like twelve weeks or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so I got him young, and um, and I met this guy in Sweeney, Texas, and he's really cool. And he he um he got him in Louisiana and brought him down to me, like because I post on Facebook, like I need a ride for this pup to this place to that place, and and so he did that and. And I kind of made, you know, small talk with him and, and we're actually going to get another curve from this guy. Okay. Um, and so anyway, so he brings this dog down to me and, and I nurse this little thing back to, to life and, and he's just been really cool and, and really interesting. And so we let him play on the goats too, but just so flipping different. I mean, he's like circles and he's baying and he's like, he's grabbing a hold of them, but he's grabbing their feet. And he'll, he'll oh, really? grab their front leg and, like, somersault them down. It's the coolest thing. And so, like, he, he's just really different. But then I post this video on... Because then I went and added a bunch of cur dog pages. Mm-hmm. And so I went and posted on there. And I was like, what do you think of this dog? Like, am I on the right track? Like, I don't know anything. Like, but I'm so willing to learn how to train cur dogs. And I'm not going to train him like a border collie or no, like a No, you may as well train him how the breed is supposed to be Yeah, and that's the whole point of growth, right, and stretch. And so I'm, I'm looking for some insight. Everybody was like, it ain't going to work. Because I'm like, this dog's circling. Like, that's all I know about bay dogs. Circle and bay. And yeah. he's doing it. And they're just like, <laughs> no. Like, they, he was like, like, they really showed me through that video, like, all the things he wasn't doing ideally, but, you know, me and my ideals, like, you know, that's just small stuff. Yeah. Like, ideals are just that. Flexible. Yeah, (laughs) flexible. And so, I was like, all right, I'll take that in consideration and, and everything, and so, um, so I learned that there's, there's hunting curs, and there's cow curs. Okay. And so, camp is the ladner is very much the blood scent and the bay dog and like all that other kind of squirrels and so he's he's more hunting bred so that guy i met in sweeney texas he's gonna get me lined up with one of his and and his are bred for cattle Cattle, yeah Yeah, so we're gonna try his out but camp yeah he was just pretty much a a, an experiment i guess yeah but we love him and and he's really cool like well he'll come back to utah with you and you'll try him there on the ranch as well yep yep and i decided that if he doesn't cut the cow thing which i'm really open like if he does not work cows the way he should or or the way we need like it'll be fine so i'm gonna either i'm gonna train him to hunt sheds Oh yeah, that yeah. would be awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna train him to do that, and because he likes fetch, mm-hmm. and so what we do is we play blind fetch, and so we'll throw the ball and um, we'll throw around something like that round pen we were in. We'd go into the other pen, throw it into the big round pen, let him go, and he'd hunt for it. Like oh, that's, that's our awesome. favorite game. It's okay. so fun. So he's gonna learn how to shed hunt, and then I figured he, he might as well learn how to like kill coyotes and badgers. Absolutely. I don't. I don't know how I'm gonna train him to do that because I don't know how. But I figured if you don't like cows, that's what you're gonna do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're very willing to learn, so I'm sure that you'll mm-hmm. you'll get her done. Yeah. So we'll. That's what he's gonna do for us. That's is, exciting. Yeah. I can't wait to see him in yeah. a year. Those uh, Idaho shag dogs. I call them scatter them dogs okay. because their sole purpose is to just go scatter things across the desert. Like I, really? I think they're so untalented. But <laughs> I've come in my business and I've come to be self secure that. If you like shag dogs, go do research at least. Like, go find the people who have really good shag dogs, but also understand that they're just a big pot of genetics. Like, it's just like a salad, you know? Like, you're not going to have this salad and be able to take handfuls and have all the pups come out with the same amount of tomatoes, the same amount of croutons, the same amount of dressing. Like, you know, so you have to understand that aspect too, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah, but I mean that's a whole like another thing. Like I'm very much dogs are fifty percent genetic, fifty percent environment. And environment is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. You put a dog, two different dogs from the same litter, mm-hmm. in two different environments, and it is amazing what will come out in a year. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and you are what you. Are put into you know you are your environment yeah you're a product of your environment and exactly. i believe that it's like strongly. the nature versus nurture it is research. absolutely mm-hmm. and that's kind of like where i go with my pups and it, i'm a little secretive with my puppy program because okay. i'm like i have got it down my <laughs> yeah. pups are so much different than joe schmo down the road they're so much different yeah. than the ones coming out of wyoming and so much different than the ones coming out of here and there and everywhere else and 
you know, I feel like I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm becoming known, but I just know that people want my pups. Mm -hmm. And I think it's for over the years that I'm getting really good at raising them. And so I can buffer out, you know, the, the, oh, like this puppy is so scared and timid and weak. And, you know, and then you take these certain traits and people then expand it. And I think people observe animals wrong. I do. I think they get, they get certain things in their mind about what a weak dog is and what a cull is, but really you just miss some maybe behavioral cues, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that could be buffered by how they were raised or their current situation right now. And so, you know, I, I sold a pup. So this recent litter I had, Wadi's litter, um, this is the first time that I've had, I've raised them my certain way. And then I take them out to that pen. And one day I was home on a weekend and I just hear the dogs lighten up and they're going off like, like not just barking, but like screaming. And I look out the window, I'm like, what's going on? And our, the guy that has his horses here had a bobcat behind the dog kennels and he was like flattening out like some horse manure and stuff. And those puppies were all but trying to get out of the puppy pen. And I was like, how bizarre. And, and my, I wish in hindsight, I should have ran out there and grabbed those pups and brought them in the house or put them in the garage or something. So they weren't um, in that environment because they were terrified. I mean, they were screaming. I mean, even the adult dogs were like freaking out. Yeah. And you've seen them. They're very calm, relaxed. Like, so I'm, I just like was thinking whatever, like that guy's just doing his chores. He'll be done later. But ever since then, that whole litter uh, and I forget how old they were, but it was in a it was in a crucial time for their learning, mm-hmm. and so it was just a bad incident. But it that bad experience really like okay, that happened. So I really need to be better for the next litter at this time. I really need to know like okay, they're not um, in a situation where they're pretty solid and grounded, um, in what I have adapted them to be. It really makes you realize, you know, the whole thing about a raindrop in an ocean makes waves mm-hmm. you know like something so minor and minuscule can make huge impact later on mm-hmm. all your dogs are at a really exciting time they're mm-hmm. um at a point where in a year from now there's going to be a lot of growth yeah and a lot of changes and it'll be really cool to watch yeah it's going to be interesting it's definitely not how i've been doing it but i think this the experience down here is really gonna just good experiences also quick where can everyone find you on social media do you want to just plug yourself quick and say where your facebook your instagram whatever yeah so my business is ay cowbred border collies and i did that specifically one ay for annie young um but i'm i'm a i'm a rancher i'm a cowboy i'm a cowboy girl whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it like i i I live this life I set out to live. And so I'm not, you know, we don't have sheep. We're not a goat outfit. Like we're like range cattle. So I wanted everyone to know that my border collies are produced for range cattle. Yeah. Cowbred border collies. And if someone searches like, oh, you know, border collies, like it's got to be in the name. Right. For the Google search. Okay. So, so that's my name. So for Facebook, YouTube, my website, it's all AY cowbred border collies. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, definitely do with passion or not at all. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for talking and yeah. showing me around your ranch. I've thank loved you. it. We, uh, we've we already decided that we're going to come back in like a year or so from yeah. now and talk more and see yeah. where your dogs are at. Or even when you're back in Utah, so I don't have to drive all the way back <laughs> down here, but I'm oh sure I can gosh. give you a phone call as well. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you very much, Annie, mm-hmm. and we will talk soon. Thanks.